Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Wrap, brought to you by Michigan Medicine Headlines. I'm Dan Elman with the Department of Communication. And I'm Karen Hildebrandt, and this is my first time co-hosting with Dan. On today's show, we're going to discuss the Workplace Violence Prevention Program, a new initiative that will help protect faculty and staff across U of M Health. Now, before we get into that, be sure you go back and get caught up on any episode of The Wrap you may have missed. You can find them on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any other podcast hosting platform. New episodes debut weekly and can also be found on the Michigan Medicine YouTube channel and as part of the headlines we can review. Now let's bring in Nicole Figuerello and Lynetta Smith, two members of the team that helped create the prevention program at U of M Health. First, can the two of you introduce yourselves and then just tell us a little bit about your roles at Michigan Medicine? Hi, my name is Nicole Figueroa. Thank you, Karen. And uh, my role in the institution is I'm the nurse leader for diversity, equity, inclusion, and well-being. Um, and I have been part of this program since its inception and have been honored to work with Lynetta and our large team. Uh, and by background, I'm a psych nurse. So this is near and dear to my heart. Uh, and, and this work is, is part of something that's really amazing that we're doing here. Thank you. I'm Lynetta Smith. I'm an associate director with Michigan Medicine Security, DPSS. I've worked here, gosh, I lost track after 20 years. I think it's 23 or 24. Um, but our collaboration on workplace violence prevention initiatives goes way back. And Nicole and I have been working together and passionate about this work for um, many years. Thank you for inviting us to the show today. Absolutely. Now, before we get into the program itself, Let's just start off with some background information. Can you give a broad overview of what workplace violence is and why it tends to be so prevalent in settings such as healthcare? Uh, great question, Daniel. You know, broadly, workplace violence is any verbal, nonverbal, or physical behavior that's impacting persons in the workplace that can cause emotional um, or physical harm. Um, as a high reliability organization and communicating clearly as one of our foundational skills, we know that it's important to create a definition of what constitutes workplace violence. So our full definition can be found within the FAQs that were recently sent out through the global messaging. Why is so prevalent in healthcare? Well, working in healthcare, we're five times more likely to suffer a workplace violence injury than other workers overall. And in 2018, OSHA data showed us that healthcare workers account for about 73% more of non-fatal workplace injuries um, and illnesses due to violence. There's a lot of theories in the why behind that, but that might be needed for save for another show. <laughs> So we're launching this new program then to help prevent this workplace violence, but can you tell us a little bit more about how it all works? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think that we are really interested in bringing together a diverse group of people to really talk through how, how workplace violence impacts them in their work and how we can start bringing together these unique voices and providing interventions and prevention strategies we know that we're, we're, we're expanding workplace violence uh, definitions, right? So oftentimes people think of workplace violence as, as patient towards clinician, but our team really defines it as in the way that OSHA defines it, really looking at uh, the type one, which is maybe the criminal type violence that we may in, endure in our institution, whether that's like thefts of some sort, um, type two, which is our customer client focus. So that's patients towards staff. Uh, and families towards staff, 
then we have worker to worker uh, workplace violence. And then lastly, the personal relationship domestic violence pieces. And what's really important about that is that we are bringing together people who have not talked together, who have not worked together. We have lots of silos around this, and we want to bring the expertise together so that we can learn from each other and create the best type of program possible for our, for, for all of our faculty, staff, and uh, employees, as well as our patients' families. And so that's the thing that I think is so beautiful. And the functionality behind that, we will bring these groups together, and we have if you look on our website, we have multiple uh, interventions we're doing. We're focusing on five major things, policies and procedures to prevent workplace violence, training and educational programs, looking at our data and reporting to identify incidents and trends, looking at our post-incident support model, because we know after these incidences happen, people are really impactful for that, impacted by that. So how do we support people after incidents happen? And then really leadership oversight. And so we will bring a large group together and then have sub work groups really working on this that is from that have a diverse amount of people from it, both clinicians and non clinicians, people who are at the bedside and away from the bedside to create something that is really comprehensive and impactful for our teams. So to this point, you know, where we are now with the program in its very infant stages almost, who has worked together to help create it and, and sort of how did it come to fruition? You know, why has it become such an important initiative here? Well, historically, Dan, there's been a lot of amazing work from people that are passionate about workplace violence prevention. And I want to give credit and acknowledge all of the amazing work that has gone on for decades, decades of um, teens coming together. And as Nicole mentioned, kind of in spaces where it may have been wonderful success, but at a smaller uh, unit level in a siloed space. So our program is an enterprise-wide multidisciplinary team. Um, we've been collaborating just a little over a year and it's co-led by the Associate um, Chief Nursing Officer, Julie Grunewald and our DPSS Director, Brian Urich. Uh, I'd really love for my teammate, Nicole, though, to weigh in on some of the importance of our initiatives. Yeah, I think, you know, like Lynetta said, this is so, um, I think it's a quite innovative approach to this. We want to bring so many people together. And like Lynetta said, there's been so much passion that people have been working on this for years. And we've had a hard time collaborating, kind of pulling it all together. So the cool part of this program is that we're actually pulling all of this kind of excitement and passion around prevention strategies together so we can learn together, which I think is what's so wonderful about, about our, our health system. Um, but, you know, when I think of, um, you know, what is most important about this, it's caretaking. You know, we really want people to feel like they can come to work and feel safe, that if something happens to them, that we can help them recover from it. And then and also that our patients with diverse needs and ways of communicating and ways of expressing themselves, that we also really understand that and approach them with compassion and curiosity. So I think that to me, it's one of the most powerful initiatives that we can do because we're we're coming in it with trying to caretake all that are involved. Okay, so it sounds like you've been very inclusive from the start with your groups and everything that have come together. Um, and I know that in the headline story, it said that the program is for everyone at U of M Health and not just clinicians. So can you give some examples of how like staff members at uh, PFAN or EVS or other staff members that don't work um, directly with patients might be somehow involved in this program? Yeah, um, that, I think that's a great 
Great question. And I, because I think that we oftentimes think of workplace violence prevention, you know, like the patient towards the staff. And, and if we think about our other support services, they may not have that interaction the same way. But as we think about kind of all the types of violence, we want to create interventions that help them with interpersonal violence, right? Are they feeling threatened at work? And how can we help people feel feel safe at work from a colleague to colleague standpoint? Um, if they're feeling like they're having some interpersonal harm from at home, how, what are our strategies to help people protect them at work, right? And, and, and our amazing TPSS team has a beautiful interventions, but sometimes we just don't know about these interventions. And a lot of people don't know how they can feel more protected at work. Um, and then lastly, when we think about our clinical initiatives, really our partners in EVS and, and PFANS and other um, um, support services interact with the patients in different ways. And oftentimes they could feel maybe blinded and they have a patient who has unique behavioral needs, who might be at risk. And since we don't have kind of that transparency or that understanding of how do other people interact and how can we make this very forced and foremost to their care as well, we are, we are always going to have those partners involved, even in our clinical work, to help give that perspective. Because it isn't just around kind of looking at what we think primarily around clinical work. Our partners are interacting and coming in and out of rooms and interacting with patients all the time as well. And so them to be, for them to be aware and empowered to have skills to interact in these in, in instances, to know how to support the patient, those are things that we, uh, that's how we want to uh, create this culture uh, together. Yeah, that's great. So finally, Lynetta, let's, let's direct this question to you. If our employees ever feel like they need to report an incident that takes place at work, what can they do and what sort of support is available to them? Well, that's a great question. And it's actually one that we dove into as part of our um, beginning questions on working through how to get and encourage reporting. And first and foremost, I want to be um, mindful that if anyone is ever in a situation where they have serious concerns for their safety and they feel that the situation is dangerous, no matter where you are or what phone you're using, um, either yourself call 911 or direct somebody else to call 911. Um, so with that as kind of being a top tier on responding and how to report it, there's a couple of other ways that you can connect and make sure that you're bringing forward um, the event that you may have experienced. So if you have, if you're witnessing or experiencing workplace violence from our, if you're a staff member and experiencing it and you're a visitor, you see it from a visitor or you're experiencing it from patients, um, families, one of the things that you can do is call DPSS if you've noticed that they're displaying the destructive or dangerous behavior. As I mentioned, calling 911 if it's an emergency, but you can contact DPSS by calling 763-1131 or our other non-emergency number 936-7890. Another encouraged way to bring those pieces of information forward so that we can, as a program, start looking at how to put strategies in place for mitigating workplace violence is completing a patient safety report under security conduct. And I also want to address that, um, as Nicole mentioned, that sometimes we see staff to staff violence or faculty and staff violence to staff violence. And if you see or experience or become aware of any of those dynamics, of course, again, as mentioned before, you wanna contact 911 if it's an emergency, but bringing those concerns forward to DPSS in the same manner where you're calling a non-emergency number. You additionally wanna notify your supervisor, bring in HR, 
And those are those resources coming together that can sustain the mitigating strategies that this program is gonna put in place for overall workplace safety. Well, thank you both for sharing all this great information. Um, for our listeners, if you're interested um, about this program some more, you just go to mmheadlines.org. That's mmheadlines.org. All right, Lynetta, since you're a veteran of the rap, you're about to be put on the hot seat. It's time for the lightning round when we ask a guest four quick fire questions. You ready to go? I'm ready, Daniel. All right. Okay, I've got the first one for you. So imagine a place where you were not able to work at Michigan Medicine, what would be your other dream job? Oh, that's a fantastic question. You know, my passion has always been an investigation. So whether I'm investigating workplace violence initiatives and strategies, um, I believe my heart would be investigating somewhere. So um, whether it's um, human resources investigation or federal agency investigations, um, Investigation is where my passion lies. Awesome. Now, over the past week or so, we've experienced what felt like spring, fall, and winter all at once here, sometimes all on the same day. What is your favorite season during the year and why? Oh, I'm summer. I'm a summer. I, I, I think the snow is beautiful and pretty, but I'm really happy for it to leave by December 26th. <laughs> it can, yeah, it, you can look at it out the window for like a day or two, but then you're done with it, right? I am. <laughs> yeah, I agree. We've had enough for sure. Um, so we've talked a little bit about stress and how that can impact all of us. Um, what's your favorite way to like relax at the end of the day? I love reading. You know, I, I usually have no less than about five different types of books on my nightstand. Um, I usually spend my last 30 to 45 minutes um, relaxing and diving into a really good book that takes me to a whole new summary place. And it's usually an investigative journey too. <laughs> <laughs> you can't escape that. You can't escape that. Um, all right, final one. If you could have one superpower, what would it be and why? It's so funny that you say that. My son's asking me that same question. <laughs> um, you know, I think. I think it would be the ability to fly. It's just really, um, it's just really enjoying to kind of be liberated by, you know, or, or freeing to not have to be bound by gravity, I guess. <laughs> well, thanks for being a good sport with those questions and to both of you for teaching us about the Workplace um, Violence Prevention Program. And if our listen, listeners, again, want to learn about the program, just go to mmheadlines.org. And while you're at Headlines, be sure to peruse other featured stories from this week. For instance, there was an in-depth profile of adult emergency services and everything they do at Michigan Medicine. And employees learned about the upcoming engagement survey, which will run from March 14th through March 25th. Find all that and more at mmheadlines.org. All right, Karen, so some of our regular viewers or listeners may be wondering just who the heck you are. This is the first time that you have co-host to this show in the Zoom window next to me. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? What is your role at Michigan Medicine and what's your favorite part of your job? Okay, well, I'm honored to be a member of the same internal communications team that you are, mm -hmm. Dan. And um, in that department, I support um, executive communications and strategic communications for Michigan Medicine. Um, I would say um, that my favorite part of the job is that I'm able to learn about and then share stories and information about the people here who are 
and you can tell they're really passionate about their work and about supporting our community. Um, just like our two guests today, you know, you can see the passion in them when they're answering their questions about this new program. So that's what I really enjoy doing. Yeah, I would actually, I, I would echo that about the favorite part of my job. Like there's so many incredible things that take place here at Michigan Medicine that I would never be able to do, but I can tell those stories, right? Like yes. I can write the story about them. So I'll let the experts who can do what I can't do and I'll just write about them and sort of give them the recognition and kudos they deserve. Exactly. And the stories are never ending. They're just every day, I think. We don't have the time to tell them all, do we? Oh, absolutely. You can find them anywhere you look. All right. One other question for you. Is there anything else that you do in your free time that people may not know about? Uh, well, when I get free time, I really cherish it, okay? Because we all have that problem, right? Finding free time. But um, I will um, say I like to travel a lot. I like to read a good book too, like Lynetta. Um, I also do a little um, creative writing myself on the side when I have the time. Like for right now, I'm working on a novel. That's awesome. Mm, that's wonderful. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> know I'm jealous of that. I can't, I don't think I'd have like the I don't have the patience to write something that long. I, I'm, I'm in awe of the people who do. So that's great. So thank you for sharing that, that Karen. All right, it's time for the weekly trivia contest. Last week, we asked listeners, headlines recently featured the faculty and staff who make up the CICU. What does CICU stand for? The answer is the Cardiac Intensive Care Unit. Congratulations to Rachel Yu, an administrative assistant in the EVPMA Dean's Office, who sent in the correct answer. Now for this week's question, here's Karen. So this week's question is, how many faculty, staff, and learners make up adult emergency services? So once again, how many faculty, staff, and learners make up adult emergency services? You can find the answer in this week's headlines. And once you find it, send it in to headlines at med.umich.edu for a chance to win a prize. All right, that's all the time we have for this week. Nicole and Lynetta, thank you so much for joining us. And thanks, as always, to all of our listeners and viewers for everything you do for patients, families, and each other. We'll see you next week.